0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Premier League Proven Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, with my co-host and brother, Kevin. And um, But who do you have in our vaunted top four, which honestly may not be as important because it could be the top five this year, but to the top four are the definite champion teams that we think are making the Champions League for next season. And it's kind of considered a successful season for any team uh, is making the top four because it guarantees the Champions League next year and brings you in that money. So who do you got in fourth? So who I have in
1: fifth, because I jumped Newcastle so high up. I actually have United. Oh, yeah, I forgot.
0: I forgot about that ridiculousness. <laughs> I have United finishing in fifth. Wow, all right. Uh, they finished third place last year, so a team that uh, was doing well. What do you think about them?
1: I don't know if I believe in Ten Ten Hag. Um, I think he is a, a good manager.
0: Wow. Controversial take after controversial I, take. I like that's, it.
1: Where we're, that's what we're here for, to, to give you a less informed opinion on.
0: That's what you're like, here for. I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm here to give you the right thing. Again, we're going to take a look at the spreadsheet at the end of the year and we'll see. Um, the only, only, only team that prediction I put money against is going to be uh, Spurs in the top six. So uh, just know I'm not backing up a lot of these with the uh, Putting anything behind them, let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, I have United sitting um, at fifth. I think Mason Mount is a good player. Now, I, I personally, I I think he is probably a little bit better than Madison, but uh, I don't know. It's just a team that, at least from my perspective, has not been well run. Yeah, you know, they they spend um, a lot of money on players that don't always pan out. The core of the team has definitely changed, uh, I guess, a little bit significantly year to year. So uh, this is a team I know you have a lot more insight on. Your prediction is probably significantly higher than mine is, but um, just not sold on them being a guaranteed lock for top four.
0: Uh, so do you think they're just last year? Was they finished third last year, and they've added to that team? Haven't lost many contributors to that. Do you think it's just a, a tougher league this year with Liverpool probably getting back to the four? I think Newcastle maybe pushing on and Chelsea growing as well. I think it's
1: exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah, last year was a weird, freak year where it's just Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool all kind of not really falling in. So the, the the top spots were a little bit more open than they've usually been. Um, and this year, it'll be interesting to see kind of how these teams rebound and to see if they can kind of go back to the form that's expected.
0: So I think you think, uh, because I think most pr- people think that Manchester City are going to win the league. They think that United, Liverpool, and Arsenal will finish second, third, and fourth in some order. I think with most people thinking Arsenal finishing second. So I actually have United a little bit the opposite of you. And to caveat this, I am a Manchester United fan. Uh, But I have United finishing second, and I think Eric Ten Hag is going to prove himself to be one of the best managers in Europe. I think he already has. He took Ajax to the Champions League places where they beat Madrid. That was probably one of the best teams in Europe, and they were working with a budget probably 50 times less than um, a Premier League team. Um, And the amount of turmoil and chaos that this team was in when they lost their first two games last year uh, under Ten Hag, mostly because of the disastrous season that they had had under Ole and Rangnick um, the year before, um, meant that this team was in chaos, just just in uh, kind of shambolic uh, circumstances. And the thing with Manchester United is everything is bigger with United. They are probably the most famous club in England, and so when anything goes poorly... Um they get a ton of the credit and a lot of plaudits, and people talk about them a ton when things go well. but when things go poorly, they get piled on and destroyed more than I think any other team in in uh in England just because whatever good or bad their name um, writes headlines and sells uh sells news so They were in a terrible position. Ten Hag was able to masterfully turn that around. Um, I think he handled the Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo situation where Cristiano Ronaldo is kind of a huge egomaniac um, and not as good as he used to be. And he was able to kind of get him out of the club um, successfully. Um, He's also able to strip Harry Maguire of the captaincy. And I think he's building a team. And I think the best way to describe them, whereas Manchester City is a possession team, Ten Hag has said that he wants to turn Manchester United into the best transition team in the world. And what that means is when... Because that's not exactly how his Ajax team played, but when you have Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford, essentially your two best players, being those type of really aggressive, really fast uh, players that are able to... That don't necessarily fit a possession side, but fit more of a counter-attacking side... That's he's going to try to play to their strengths. Um, I think the biggest issue with United last year is, that of all the top six teams, they didn't score enough goals. They scored the least of all those top six teams. Um, they had a really good defense they had a really good defensive record. No, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about, and that's at
1: least the piece that you know, I get as uh, you know someone who's not as you know intimate with United, but you know it does watch them from, from afar. I guess. Do you believe in the attackers that are there? Because it just seems like it's year after year. They're always searching for you know a new striker. They're always looking for you know new attacking players to kind of to fill uh, some of those gaps. And what I will say from watching Rashford over the last year or two, he's impressed me so much. I, I know there's a time that he was kind of like uh, they're, you know very into him. Not sure if he was going to be the guy. But last year, every game I've ever watched from him from last year, I was wholeheartedly impressed. But do you think you know? big spendings on Sancho or Anthony or Garnacio. Uh, do you kind of think those were are, are guys that you can kind of rely on to kind of score some more of those goals? Or do you think uh they kind of need to to focus a little more and figure out who else can get some goals for them?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think Rashford did turn the corner. He had a horrible year the year before last, but last year it was his best ever season. So I think he's shown that he could take turn that left wing position into his He's one of the best kind of left wingers in the entire world, um, but he's not a, a perfect striker. I do think Jaden Sancho has kind of been a failure. Um, they're paying him incredible amounts of money, and I'm not sure he's ever going to quite turn it around. Um, they've been trying him in a false nine role, which is kind of a a withdrawn uh, striker who, and hopefully he'll be able to to kind of push on from there. Anthony, I think. They spent a ton of money on him, and I don't think you could say that he fully rewarded that last year. But I think Ten Hag looks at him at also for his off-ball contributions, where he really gives them that structure. And actually, it is interesting, because as there's left-footed wingers are playing on the right side, I don't think there's very many good right-wingers in the entire world. Um, it's really hard to find those guys. Uh, a guy like Mo Salah is... Gold, if you can get one of them um so Anthony I think will have a better year this year I do think he is a really good player I think he brings all the things that a 10 uh Eric Ten Hag wants so I think he'll work out quite well I think when you look at their attackers Bruno Fernandez is other than Kevin De Bruyne and maybe Martin Odegaard he is probably the best uh attacking midfielder in the world he created more chances than anyone in the Premier League last year I think outside of Kevin De Bruyne um uh and he created so many opportunities that they were just not able to finish. Um, Garnacho is incredible. I mean, he he's a youth player, right? So last year is his first year. Um, he comes from the academy. He won them games on his own last year. Um, I they he's one of these guys that I think they're hoping can go to the very top and be one of the absolute best players in the world. Um, we'll see if he can kind of transition to that, but I think the hopes for him, he's probably one of the single best players that's ever come out of um, the United youth teams, although they did bring him in from Spain, I think when he was 16 or something. Um, so Garnacho is one that is going to be, I think, a mainstay of this team for a long time. And then they have bought Rasmus Hoyland for a lot of money, um, who is a big, tall, blonde uh, Danish guy. Kind of name sounds like uh, Erling Haaland, and he kind of looks like Erling Haaland a little bit. Um, big big Big, uh, tall, white guys. Um, he's really fast like him. He, Erling Haaland, he plays. Uh, he has a big left foot with like Erling Haaland. But I think he fits the mold of an ag- aggressive transition team that Eric Ten Hag wants. He's injured right now, so it'll take him a, uh, a couple weeks, I think, to get back into the team. But if you look at Manchester United and say they finished third last year and actually played quite well. They won the League Cup. They made the FA Cup uh, final. Um and that's after a horrible start. And they did that while scoring the least amount of goals. So what happens in Eric Ten Hag's second season when he starts developing a more cohesive attacking unit, brings Hoyland in, players like Antony and, and uh, Settle in. Now they're able to score more goals than they did last year. What does that do to their ceiling? I think it all only can raise it because I, th- I don't think they're going to get any worse than they were last year. Um, And I think they were able to do 75 points last year. So to me, the arrow on this team is trending up, up, up. They brought in Andre Onana, who I think De Gea is just completely unable to play back out from the back, which is a requisite for a modern goalkeeper. And so he's going to reinvent the way they play. For me, Manchester United is going to be the team that challenges City the closest this year uh, for the title.
1: It's funny that you say their new striker sounds so much like Colin, you know, we can you know, say it's the wish.com version or the, you know, the Walmart great value brand. But uh, yeah, you know, maybe I will um be made a fool and see how United kind of does uh, this year. And I will say Bruno Fernandez, every time I've watched him, yeah, especially when he came in his first year, it was beyond impressive. I don't know if I've ever seen a player just like slot into the Premier League so well. I mean, from the
0: get-go, dude is just scoring goals and assists left and right. So completely, completely. I think he's the type of player that he complains a ton and everyone kind of hates him and he dives around a lot. But yeah, I mean, the guy comes in and he dominates the ball. He does give it away a lot, but he he makes the team run through him in a way that only a player that has the type of confidence that's needed to succeed at a, a club as heavily scrutinized as United will have. And so I think, you know, he he's now their captain. And uh, I think hopefully he can take that next level too. All right. So I think now we got three teams left. I Most people have uh, Arsenal finishing second after City and think that they're going to even be the team that potentially pushes City to the to the end and potentially even wins the Premier League this year. I have them in fourth. Where did you put them? So I have Arsenal at third. And I think, you know, we're probably both going to, if, you know, people are
1: listening to this, that have...
0: All the Arsenal fans are going to be it, very upset with it, us. It's exactly as I say. Very, gonna... <laughs> very, very upset with us because I do have to say the Gunners are the most social media heavy team. I think the 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 Arsenal presence on the internet is unparalleled, and their meme potential is also unparalleled. I have to say, you know what? Take what I say with a grain of salt,
1: always. Yeah, I, I for all, all cards on the table, I'm a Spurs fan. Arsenal and Spurs have a, a lot of a rivalry, but um, just after last year, they bottled the league. I know people don't like to say that and all the Arsenal fans were basically saying oh you can't say that, this is a new team, yada yada yada. But I mean, they were on top of the league for I mean, was it 80-90% of the year? And just when it kind of came to the finish line, that didn't quite make it. I think just like we've talked about with a lot of the other teams. They are going to struggle a little bit more now that they have the Champions League to kind of contest with. And there's always something with teams that kind of sneak in there and kind of out where you expect them. Uh, you kind of take teams by surprise where they're not maybe preparing for you as much as they might be. And that's not to say that Arsenal was, you know, a small team before then by any means. You know, obviously one of the most successful English clubs of all time. But, yeah, you know, there was a lot of time and years that they, they were just... Not quite the best team in the big six, but now I think everybody there they have everybody on notice. People are going to prepare, people are going to take time to to kind of prepare for them. But I, I will wholeheartedly admit they are an incredible team. Um, Saka and Odegaard, every time I watch the two of them play, I am just blown away that these two guys that are so young are able to do what they, they can, they handle pressure. Um, and score so many goals incredibly well. Again, those two players can't say enough big things. Um, I think it's interesting kind of with uh, Arteta there. Uh, He's a disciple. So he he was actually a player not too long ago at Arsenal. But then he went to to City and kind of became a disciple of uh, Pep Guardiola. So he's kind of become and kind of embodied a lot of uh, Pep's ideas and His first couple seasons at Arsenal didn't quite go so well. I personally think if they didn't win uh, an FA Cup, he probably would have been sacked. Wouldn't be the manager uh, at Arsenal anymore. But hey, they weathered the storm. And I mean, last year really paid off. Uh, It's a little bit interesting because I don't think they really have a true number nine. If you look at it last year, uh, it was about three or four guys kind of like split the
0: goals, which is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of guys scoring, you know, 10 plus goals. I thought that i was going to be bold by putting arsenal in fourth um but i you know hearing you say all that i it almost makes me want to put them higher because i think this arsenal team is incredible because this arsenal team i think truly has a very good chance of winning the title i do think they're the second best team in england um the which is maybe a weird thing to say when i'm saying they're going to maybe finish fourth um but I, I would also push back that they kind of bottled the league last year. They did a little bit in a sense, but Manchester city last year, won. I think their last 11 league games, Manchester city is just the most dominant force. They were the, by far the best team in the world last year. So I think there's no shame. There's no negative, uh, no negativity that's associated with losing the title to the best team in the world. I mean that they shouldn't feel badly about that. Um, Obviously, they had a good chance to win it, but that was ahead of schedule. Much like Newcastle, I don't think anybody had pegged Arsenal to finish any better than like fourth place last year, and they were able to kind of push City for the title. I hear what you're saying, that they don't have – because I think Jesus is unreliable. He finished under his XG, and he almost always does because he's he basically does every single thing well for a striker. Um, he's aggressive. He presses. He passes. Um, he holds the ball up. He links up play. He just can't quite score at the level – uh, of truly great strikers, which I don't know, is kind of important for strikers. But the fact that they have Trussard for a backup for him, the fact that Saka is going to give them 15 goals, Martinelli, who's an incredible player, is going to give them 15 goals, Odegaard is going to give them 10 goals, and you add a player like Declan Rice, Kai Havertz, who they combined spent you know 170 million on. Those are they've revamped the team, taken what was one of the absolute best teams in in Europe last year who blew two teams away with their attacking power last year and added a hundred million dollar Declan Rice who's one of the great young English players not you know he's coming into his prime now not as young anymore but one of the great English midfielders um that's in the game today and maybe Kai Havertz I'm not very high on the Kai Havertz signing um just because I don't think I don't think he quite has the approach and mentality um although it's hard to judge obviously and I'm, I'm you know projecting a lot but I don't think he quite has that mentality that a top level team and a team like Arsenal will want um they may be replacing their goalkeeper with David Raya um that or at least pushing Aaron Ramsdale which I think was the one place in their team that was a weakness but you look at William Saliba he is one of the absolute best center backs in the league he absolutely dominated last year um so to me, Arsenal is absolutely one of the best teams in the league. Um, I have a feeling that there's a chance that they go on and win the title, um, and will look really dumb. I, I the reason I put them in fourth, and you know, you you've just listened to me basically tell you how good they are, is that I I'm not quite convinced, just like you are. And again, I will say that conventional wisdom probably disagrees with us here that Arteta is that top level manager. I almost think things kind of came too easily for them last year. They had a 20-30 game run where they just blew teams away. Um, And so how are they going to do this year if they contend with the Champions League, have a few injuries to their starting 11? Because I don't think they had very many significant injuries other than to Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko um, last year. Um, They've tried to replace those guys in terms of having backups for them. But I just think Arsenal may, I I think last year may have been the best that they're going to look. And again, that's a controversial opinion. Even though we're putting them third and fourth, I don't want you guys to uh, come away with this thinking that Arsenal is not a good team because I think almost everyone in the world has them as the second best team in the league. We just are a little bit more down on them. Um, Probably because we just don't quite believe in Arteta as much. Um, But... He could prove us all wrong, go on and the win win the league, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, they don't do super well this year and pressure starts building on him because I think aside from Manchester United, the the pressure, especially um, from the fans, grows. It gets to be toxic if things are not going well. So I, I do think uh, it's something to keep an eye out, but this could be something that really comes back to bite us in terms of our predictions. Are you telling me that Arsenal Fan TV is a toxic media outlet? They've uh they've turned it into uh they've turned it into a good brand though so good yeah, for them. I think
1: of think of like a Stephen A. Smith kind of, but just about your own uh, fan base and just giving terrible takes and just promoting the toxicity when a, when a team is losing. Uh, that's Arsenal fan TV. It's these guys who who kind of sit there on YouTube and just rag on the team. And if you feel bad about how your team's doing, they make you feel a little bit worse. But they made a lot of money doing it, so I guess good on them.
0: I think a lot of other fans like to watch that. uh, I think they probably do better when Arsenal is doing poorly. Yeah, my favorite thing is when they do the live watches
1: and when they lose games that way. It's always funny to see the clips where they're talking about how how they have this game in the bag and then a couple goals go in and everybody just gets gets really upset.
0: But I think Arsenal fans are incredibly optimistic, though, and I think this is the best Arsenal team since probably 2006 um, or 2005. So, you know, this is an incredible team. So I have Arsenal at three, and speaking of a fan base, that is, this is
1: always our year, or next year is always our year, Uh, so we can probably say, you know, if you're, again, an NFL fan, probably this would be analogous to the Dallas Cowboys, except this team actually wins some stuff, and that's who I have in fourth place is going to be Liverpool.
0: Yeah, that's what they were. But now in the last five years since Klopp came in, they win everything. And if it wasn't for City, they'd have gone down as the best ever team. I I, I agree. Then,
1: you know, what whatever whatever state Liverpool is in, I don't know how they do it, but they just do well in the Champions League. they that's just their competition for English teams. I, I don't know what they have in the water over there. Obviously it's not trickling in. They have a different system than uh, what Everton has, but whatever's in the Liverpool specific stadium wander, they just find a way anytime in the Champions League.
0: Except they lost two finals to Madrid. They, if it wasn't for Madrid and City, Liverpool would have been the best team in uh, the last five years. They would have won everything. Uh, it's a team that
1: really underperformed last year. And just like Jeff said,
0: uh, Jurgen Klopp, one of the best managers
1: in the world and has consistently been so. Um, I, but their team, that is always going to be up there in the conversation uh, for the top four. And I think what last year happened, it was definitely a, a blip. Uh, it's not going to be something that kind of um, stays that way. A team that is probably gone through a little bit of, of a renovation uh, of their team. Uh, last year, they brought in some new players. They spent a ton of money on uh, a new striker, going to be Darwin, and he really did not fit very well last year. I mean, again, a little bit overshadowed by you know, Holland going to City and actually absolutely smashing it out of the park. Uh, but he... Didn't really fit as much as they spent there. Uh, but they have some really exciting players. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. So he was playing right back for Liverpool for uh, a long time. And one of the best crossers in, uh, in in all of soccer throughout the world. The dude is a phenomenal athlete and is so good at taking and beating a man and whipping a cross in.
0: Yeah, I think this team is really interesting because... Uh this is a reinvention under Klopp because last year i think was the worst year since Klopp had shown up in the when he first joined and Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool was just the perfect match. Jurgen Klopp is th- literally the manager i mean Pep Guardiola is Pep Guardiola but Jurgen Klopp is the manager that every single team wants for their own team. You know, every single team in the world that isn't Manchester City would kill to have Jurgen Klopp. I mean, he gets it. He gets it for the city. He Is plays such fun uh, footy. He plays really aggressive style. He's all about the attack. His players absolutely adore him. His players love him. The fans love him. So Jurgen Klopp, I think, is in every way essentially the perfect manager. Um, He does, in his last two jobs at Dortmund and Mainz, he stayed only seven years, and I think he's reaching that seven-year mark. So whether that's kind of something where he kind of is coming to the end of the cycle, I think this year is actually really critical in determining whether this is kind of the beginning of a new era under Klopp or the end of Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Uh, this Liverpool team has an incredible attack. I would put their attack up with anybody in the entire world. Their five players, Cody Gakpo, Mo Salah, uh, Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunez, and uh, Diego Yota. those guys combined are lethal, like so dangerous. They will score so many goals. This team going forward is incredible the problem is and there's these memes where they like cut the ferrari into thirds and it's like a horse-drawn buggy in the back with the ferrari in the in the up top and in the middle the biggest problem they had last year is that they just could not they were just so soft underneath they were great going forward but they would just give up so many just weak goals because they could not defend properly the system was weirdly structured where Fabinho looked really old and just did not have a good uh, season from defensive midfield. So this year they've kind of reinvented themselves. They've bought Alexis McAllister from Brighton. They've bought uh, Soboslai, this Hungarian kind of attacking box-to-box midfielder from RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga. So they've tried to reinvent their midfield while selling their captain Jordan Henderson and Fabinho to Saudi Arabia. Um, but the problem is, even though they've reinvented it, they haven't actually put somebody in the engine room. This is all assuming that they don't actually buy Moises Caicedo from Brighton, and they just came in over $110 million, I think. But it sounds like he actually wants to go to Chelsea, which is all hilarious. Um, but if this team can find a, a defensive midfielder, and I'd say my prediction is contingent upon that, and I think they will because the transfer market is still open for two more weeks, with uh, Andy Robertson, Van Dyke, Allison, who I, for my money, is the best goalkeeper in the entire world. He's so good at one-on-ones. They That combined with this reinvention of Trent Alexander-Arnold is this kind of was a right back, um, like you were saying, and still plays there, but kind of comes in and inverts, which is the inverted fullback is an interesting tactical phenomenon that's been going on in the Premier League recently that Manchester City does, Arsenal does, Liverpool does, or the... A fullback instead of providing width, kind of comes in and plays defensive midfielder um and so he's able to kind of spray passes and do the the famed quarterback of the soccer field thing uh that uh he's really good at so this liverpool team i agree with you last year was a blip um but they really need to figure out their defensive midfield that's so important um and are they able to do that in the transfer market if so I mean, if they can complete that piece of the puzzle, this team going forward is so dangerous that I can't help but imagine them just blowing teams away in the Premier League. Um, so for me, I have them finishing third. I would not be surprised, though, if they can kind of put it all together that they'd be challenging at the top of the league as well.
1: Which puts us to, I think we've talked about everybody here um, in some form of the thing. So I have going to have Liverpool four, Arsenal three, and then my bold prediction Um, I wouldn't say my lock of the year, but Newcastle second. I think you have uh, Arsenal at four, Liverpool at three, United at two. And then finally, who we both have in our number one slot. This is the least surprising prediction um, and probably the safest money that you can
0: put out there as far as betting goes. Uh, It's going to be
1: Manchester City sitting at the top of the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, they won the treble last year. Obviously, this team is amazing. You take Pep Guardiola's structure, um, all the attacking players they have, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish. Uh, they've lost a couple guys like Maris and Gundawan, but they still have Bernardo Silva, um, Kevin De Bruyne. And then you add Erling Holland, who is legitimately just the next best player. Like, he is, he is the anointed one. You know, he is unreal. Like, this guy scores from every position he's fast he's strong he's, he can head the ball he can he can do every single thing that you want from a, an attacking player he dominated absolutely shredded the premier league last year and he absolutely will again um you know there's a lot of people that said you know he was joining the wrong team because uh city doesn't feed him the ball enough he doesn't fit their possession style but i think the interesting thing is that the only thing that stopped Holland is that he actually got injured quite a lot, especially when he was in Dortmund. Um, but he didn't get injured at all last year. And I'm not sure if that's partly because they play in such a possession based team. He doesn't have to do quite as much of those explosive runs. Is he, and do they, they don't have to rely on him like he would uh, a team like, like if you were playing for Manchester United or Arsenal or Chelsea or Tottenham, he would just be up top every game. They'd be asking him to score 20 goals you know or 50 goals they'd be asking him to score every game. He doesn't quite have that same pressure at City because they just blow teams away. Um and then you just look at Manchester City. They're, you know, Pep has created this like four center back approach and it's made their defensive line like just unbreakable essentially. They nobody can get close to them. I mean, the only hope that you have that this team is not going to be the best team in the world again is that they're just They have been climbing this mountain trying to win this Champions League for, like, the last decade. And now that they've done it, will there be a bit of a hangover after that? I mean, I think that's literally it. But Pep Guardiola is not the type of guy to rest on his laurels. He is ruthless. He is competitive. He wants to win everything. And I think he'll demand that from the players. So, you know, the only hope for me that anybody else can win the league this year is that Manchester Manchester City just has a little bit of a motivation issue. Um, but otherwise this team has players upon players upon players their second their kind of depth in every position they take a guy out um, and they replace him with a guy who's just as good who would be one of the absolute best players on every other team and this team is a machine they are essentially the terminator um, if you're the team and Erling Holland is the terminator up front so I mean I don't see how anybody can really beat this team over a 38 game season, and to be honest, I'm not sure anybody can beat them in the Champions League over a two game, two leg game either.
1: Yeah, it's getting to the point where you know they're absolutely a dynasty. I think they've won six of the last seven uh Premier Leagues and five of the last six. Five I think. of the last six. Okay, so and then that's what Jeff was talking about. Was, you know, Klopp is really the only one who is able to kind of dethrone them and kind of throw a wrench in their plan but yeah, the team is just so good and it's just
0: they're the monsters man like they're like if when you watch mighty ducks like they're the team that the mighty ducks are playing against except this is not a movie and the mighty ducks are not gonna win like they they just like they're they're like the evil empire and uh Guardiola is emperor palpatine
1: yeah you can't just start a quack 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 chant and hit a few knuckle pucks and have your plot armor save you that's uh
0: pep's gonna be there he's gonna win and you're gonna go home and you're gonna be unhappy i think the only thing that you and i think this is something that i've always tried to remind myself and uh when i'm watching soccer is that things never look as good as they seem and they're never as bad as they seem i think both of those things are true um, and so when you think there's no weaknesses to a team, that, that's often when you start seeing some things sh- uh, show through underneath, start to crumble a little bit. And when you have teams like Chelsea and Manchester United have awful seasons in Spurs last year, I think you do see that it's not the foundations tend to not be quite as bad as you think, and they do tend to rebound. So I think the the only hope is that cities kind of, you know, has those things, but it's really hard to imagine. it's not like their team is aging really that much so um hard to see anybody beat them and then this has already been quite a long episode but we'll just do a, cu- a couple quick uh um final predictions here golden boot who do you have safe money again we're going holland yeah i mean that's so easy the only way holland doesn't finish top score is if he gets injured um guys an absolute i don't know he's just crazy like it's kind of sad because i think so many young kids are gonna like want to be uh man city fans because uh erling holland's so good but i mean it's fair they're just they're such a good team um, but how about the more interesting golden boot for a player not named Erling Holland?
1: So it's a little bit of a tougher question, but you know, the only way I think Newcastle's going to get that second place is if their striker is on fire all year, so I'm going to say Isak is going to be my choice. Oh,
0: wow, I love that. Yeah, Isak, is, he's a very dangerous player. I think not many people have him at the top score. For me, I'm probably going to go Mo Salah. I think he's just been, other than Harry Kane, for the last five years, the guy, he's also just on that, extremely top tier level where he scores every year um, non-stop he produces and Liverpool even if they're a little soft going backwards they're going to be great going forward so going with Salah there how many and then in the Premier League they love sacking managers you know it's the easiest thing to do is just change the manager to get rid of your whole team costs a lot of money but it's not too expensive to get rid of the manager so how many managers are we losing this year and then I want your prediction on at least one that's going to get fired so, I'm going to go with 14 is going to be the line that I... 14? Ho- holy hell, man. It's going to be the line that I set here. Um, and then But not 14 teams? Are you no, saying no, a couple guys that get hired are going to get exactly. fired? Exactly.
1: higher fires like we saw with Chelsea, what, three times last year? Um, and, you know, again, I'm going to make another prediction here that's a little bit crazy. Uh, I don't think it's someone who's going to get sacked, but I... Do you think Brighton's manager is going to get poached
0: before the end of yeah, the Yeah, I think that's a really good shout too. I, I'll pro- I'll go with uh I'll go with eleven managers get sacked. Um, because I think it's always safe to go over uh half, which is crazy, right? Like that doesn't happen in American sports, but the stakes are just so high here because you can't get relegated and you need the money um, if you're playing at the top end. And for a guy that's gonna get sacked, let me go with Andoni Irola. Uh if I'm even saying that right on Bournemouth, because I think uh, his style, I think there's, we talked about it in the last episode, but I think he has a chance to do well, but I think there's also a chance that his style just comes in, just doesn't work at all, and they just get rid of him and try to replace him and try to save their season. So I'll go with Bournemouth there. Um, and then who do you think is going to be the best transfer of the window?
1: Probably a little biased, but I'm going to go with James Madison. I think it was a pretty reasonable fee, and I think he's going to be pretty instrumental in in the, Spurs recreation. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Madison's a good call because he's going to be the heartbeat, I think, of that Spurs attack and and, and just going to want them to go forward. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of candidates here. There's been so much money spent this year. Declan Rice was uh, bought for over $100 million. um Caicedo was bought for over $100 million. Hoyland has a chance at United, but I'm not going to go with that bias pick. I think uh, Sandro Tanali at Newcastle is gonna be a guy that everyone's gonna look for because he is a player that's bought from AC Milan, has played in the Champions League, and I think can his turn will turn Newcastle's midfield with Bruno Gomarish and uh Joe Linton into one of the best midfielders or midfields in the entire uh Premier League. And then uh what do you think of biggest flop of the year? And that's a, a transfer that fails. So biggest
1: flop for me is gonna be Kai. Uh, Havertz. Oh, wow. I, I probably was going to use that one, too. Were you? I I just don't really think he's going to fit that system super well. Um, yeah, Probably not a bad move to get some depth for Arsenal, but I just wasn't really convinced. Yeah, they're asking him to play kind of a box-to-box midfielder, which I'm not sure he is. Yeah, I, again, I wasn't super convinced uh, with him at Chelsea. I mean, it's just an awful lot of money to... You know, flop is usually based off of, you know, how much a player cost and, you know, how much value you think they're going to return. So I think it's a big ask with how much, how expensive he was, and I just don't really see him fitting in the system.
0: Uh, and then for me, I'm going to go with, and I really did want to go with Kai Havertz here. So he's kind of the one I, I believed in a little bit more. Um, you know, I think there's a chance that... Uh, Either Declan Rice or Moises Caicedo don't come in because they're both and show that they're worth over 100 million because it's hard to take a defensive midfielder and have them be worth over 100 million. They really have to have a, such a transformative impact on your team. And so I can easily imagine one of them, maybe Caicedo, just kind of, especially who's only had one good season in the Premier League, just kind of show why people do want quote-unquote Premier League proven players and people that have been here longer and why it actually is a lot of money to spend on a defensive midfielder. So I think those guys, um, Rice and Caicedo, will come in and I think both of them will do reasonably well, but I think they're also going to not live up to their price tag.
1: If you're going to spend $100 million, I think you're absolutely right. You need peak and Golokante to be your defensive midfielder. Yeah, it's just so much money on a, on a position. So yeah, we'll see what they end up doing.
0: All right, and then uh, we'll do a couple here bold prediction that you are willing to stand behind bold prediction here is gonna be Chelsea at seventh that is uh yeah I think Chelsea fans are looking for a you know a top six type of finish this year and I think they are the team that has the most variance this year so a bold prediction that I'm willing to stand behind is I think that Erling Haaland will get to this is a little crazy 45 goals in the Premier League 45 league goals yeah. Oh my God. We'll see if the, maybe that's bold. I, maybe I should have left that for the next question, which is bold predictions that I'm not willing to stand behind or at least will act like I never made if it doesn't uh, happen.
1: Erling Holland for 46 goals is the one that I'll act like I, I never made if it doesn't happen. No, uh, the, the think the bold one that I'll act like it never happened is just something we've been riffing on probably here is going to be Newcastle at second. So I'm going to look like a genius if it, if it goes through. If it doesn't happen, uh, it never happened.
0: And then bold prediction that I'll act like uh, I never made if it doesn't happen is that I think that there's a chance Arsenal, Liverpool, or United has a new manager by the end of the year.
1: Wow, I like that a lot. That is, you know, you're you're following the, the question to, to the letter. I, I appreciate that.
0: Those are crazy, though. Uh, but I think the expectations for all those teams are rising. And I think it's too early, even if it, Ten Hag got a terrible season, I still think he would survive. And Klopp obviously has all the goodwill ever for Liverpool. Um, That would be more of a resign thing than a kind of being fired. Um, But, and then Arteta, I think it's still too early to fire him, but that's why it's a bold prediction. But anyway, so I think that's everything. That's our top 10. That's who we think is going to win the league. That's who we think is going to win top score. Uh, Thanks for listening to us. Uh, Let us know if you guys have any questions, um, comments. If you want to make fun of the things that we said, feel free. Um, You know where to find us on social media. It's at Premier League Proven on all the – on all the different social media apps. And uh, that's us signing off. And soon we'll come to you with uh, breakdowns of every team in the Premier League and why you should follow them, which is really, I think, going to be the thing that helps a lot of you guys that are looking for a team to follow figure out what team fits with you, what team fits with your personality, and who you should follow in the Premier League. Uh, But my first recommendation is start watching, see if a team catches your eye. And uh, welcome to the Premier League season, Kevin. It's going to be a fun one.
1: Looking forward to every
0: game.